Welcome to the Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Tuesday, February 13th. I'm Peter Biello. On today's episode, the first funeral service is held for one of the three soldiers killed in a recent drone attack in Jordan. Affordable housing advocates push for tiny homes in Gwinnett County, and will break down the arguments for removing Fonnie Willis from the election interference case involving former President Trump. These stories and more are coming up on this edition of Georgia Today. Family and friends are gathering in Georgia this week as funerals begin for three Army Reserve soldiers killed in a recent drone attack in Jordan. At a church in Carrollton this morning, Brigadier General Todd Lazarowski called Staff Sergeant William Rivers a man of kindness and faith. Staff Sergeant Rivers was more than a fellow soldier. He was a friend, a confidant, and a beacon of positivity in the darkest of times. Services for Sergeant Brianna Moffat of Savannah and Sergeant Kennedy Saunders of Waycross are planned for Saturday. A federal appeals court has upheld the multiple life sentences given to a man for the fatal bombing at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. The 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals rejected Eric Rudolph's bid for a new sentence in a ruling yesterday. The three-judge panel ruled Rudolph is bound to the terms of his 2005 plea deal, in which he accepted multiple life sentences to escape the death penalty. Rudolph admitted to carrying out the deadly bombing at the Olympics and three other attacks across the South. Affordable housing advocates are working together to develop a community of tiny homes in Metro Atlanta's Gwinnett County. GPB's Amanda Andrews reports. The Gwinnett Housing Corporation and the housing nonprofit MicroLife Institute will sell cottage-style homes of up to 750 square feet to families earning up to 80% of the area's median income. The project is designed to be a step between an apartment and purchasing a single-family home. MicroLife Executive Director Will Johnston says they're using housing density to make the units more affordable. If we can use land better and be more creative with how we design and put houses closer together and build in a way that actually fosters community, we can save a lot of money. Johnston says they hope to secure a piece of property for the project within the next two months. For GPB News, I'm Amanda Andrews. The state house passed a bill yesterday to bar doctors from denying patients organ transplants solely based on COVID-19 vaccination status. Supporters of the bill say it will end vaccine discrimination, but opponents, including Wilburn State Representative Democrat Jasmine Clark, says it promotes vaccine skepticism and that decisions about who receives an organ are often based on the chances of success. We do not have an unlimited stockpile of organs waiting for a body to be transplanted into. That's not how organ transplantation works. Instead, there are over 100,000 people waiting. The bill passed 98 to 71 and now moves to the Senate for more debate. The board that governs Georgia's public colleges has authorized the University of Georgia to establish a medical school. The State Board of Regents gave unanimous approval today to what would be Georgia's second public medical school located on UGA's campus in Athens. The other is the Medical College of Georgia based in Augusta. Governor Brian Kemp and other state officials have said a new medical school is needed as Georgia faces a shortage of doctors. The U.S. Department of Education is announcing new measures to help colleges speed up the processing of student financial aid forms. The move today responds to frustrating delays in the rollout of a new free application for federal student aid, or FAFSA. 
Financial aid counselor Kathleen Dowis works with 110 high school seniors at Drew Charter School in Atlanta. About 60% of my students have completed the FAFSA application. However, the big thing right now is we're waiting for those to process. And that means we're waiting for that information to be sent to schools. We're waiting for them to get their um, student aid index. The information affects how much financial aid colleges offer and ultimately students' choices for higher education. Dowis reassures students they will get the answers they need in time to make those important decisions. The federal agency is reducing certain verification requirements and program reviews so colleges can focus resources on financial aid forms. A best-selling cookbook author and James Beard Award-nominated baker will open the doors of her Savannah Bakery for one last time tomorrow. Cheryl Day has operated Back in the Day Bakery for 22 years, developing a following for buttery biscuits and classic Southern sweets. She's a regular on Christopher Kimball's Milk Street Radio, airing Sundays on GPB, and was among pioneering business owners in Savannah's rapidly developing Starland District. She and her husband, Griffith Day, said last year they would close back in the day permanently after their building sold. In January, the couple announced the building sale and their Valentine's Day final opening date. Pennsylvania-based convenience store chain Wawa plans to open its first Georgia location in Pooler near Savannah. Documents presented to city officials yesterday show a developer plans a 6,000-square-foot Wawa with 16 fueling spaces off Interstate 16. With a loyal following based in part on their hoagies and hot food items, the chain has more than 1,000 stores concentrated between New York and Virginia with a significant presence in Florida. Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee says a hearing is necessary to determine if Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis should be removed from the election interference case involving former President Trump and 18 others. One of the defendants in the case alleged Willis had an improper romantic relationship with fellow prosecutor Nathan Wade, and together they have enriched themselves off the prosecution of the case. The hearing is scheduled for Thursday. With me now to discuss the legal standards involved is Emory Law Professor John Acevedo. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. A defendant in this case, Mike Roman, alleges that Willis hired her romantic partner, Nathan Wade, to work on the election interference prosecution, and they've taken vacations together. Uh, Roman argues that that amounts to improper behavior and grounds for Willis's removal. Does this seem like improper behavior to you, behavior that's that's worthy of being removed from the case? Uh, it's certainly unusual behavior. I'm not sure if it rises to the level of being removed. Uh, you need to show some sort of conflict of interest or other impropriety. And a relationship in and of itself isn't enough. Overall, how unusual is this kind of accusation? For a conflict of interest, we're usually looking for conflicts between defense counsel and the district attorney's office. And here, all the allegations are within the district attorney's office itself. So if it seems it's a bit unusual, it is a bit unusual uh, as it goes forward. The other thing I think that the public should keep in mind is the idea uh, that we are looking for not only actual improprieties, but as uh, Judge McAfee pointed out, perceived improprieties. In the area of criminal law, we want justice to be done, but we also want it to be clear justice is being done. So I think we're going to see Judge McAfee error on the side of caution uh, as he proceeds on Thursday. Willis has been subpoenaed, but it's unclear if she's going to testify. That depends on uh, testimony from another witness, how it goes with Terrence Bradley. He is Wade's former law partner, uh, and allegedly we'll have some insight uh, into when Willis and Wade started their relationship. In your view, does it matter when they started their relationship? 
the main reason it matters that they when they saw the relationship is they represented to the court that it happened after his hiring. Uh, and if it can be proven that it happened before his hiring, it, it would indicate that they misrepresented themselves to the court. Uh, I think that's the main key here. So it's not whether or not it started before or after she, uh, she hired Wade. It's whether or not she lied about the start after the fact. I, I think that is a more important issue. Uh, going on here. There is, of course, the implication that if the relationship was going on before the hiring, that that would taint the hiring in terms of financial improprieties. The more immediate impact, though, I think, is most courts do not like lawyers to misrepresent themselves to them. So I think that'll be the more immediate uh, concern rather than the uh, timing of the uh, relationship. Some of the co-defendants have said that Willis should be disqualified because of remarks she made at Big Bethel AME Church that indicated Wade was being targeted because he's black, being targeted for this criticism because he is he's black. They say this could prejudice a jury. Could those remarks have any bearing on this case? That seems unlikely. They were one-off remarks at, at one event, uh, and they can be screened for through void ear and other questioning of the jury to ensure that there's no prejudice towards the defendants based on race or other animus. In other words, you could select a jury that didn't even hear those those comments. Exactly, or that will ignore them or view them as uh, non-essential to the case or the defendants. I see. If Willis is removed from this case, how will that impact the prosecution of former President Trump? Uh, it would certainly delay the prosecution uh, probably well into uh, late 2024, if not early 2025, to have a new lawyer brought up to speed uh, would certainly uh, require multiple months, especially with complex criminal litigation like a RICO case. Mm -hmm. And if she stays on the case, whether she has to testify on Thursday or not, has she sustained some political damage here just by virtue of being accused of these things? She's absolutely sustained damage, both to herself politically as a district attorney and her private political career, and also, I think, to the case. Uh, the jurors of Fulton County are watching this, and many of them are not going to like the apparent financial improprieties that seem to have gone on uh, related to this prosecution, and that may taint the jury pool against her. John Acevedo, thank you so much for speaking with me. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to seeing the hearing on Thursday. And that is it for this edition of Georgia Today. If you want to learn more about any of these stories, visit gpb.org news. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, do it now. We'll be back in your podcast feed automatically tomorrow. If you've got feedback, we would love to hear from you. Email us. The address is georgiatoday at gpb.org. I'm Peter Biello. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.